Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey everyone, we're coming to Salt Lake City, Utah and Phoenix, Arizona this fall. Yeah, October 23rd, we're going to be at Salt Lake City's Grand Theater. And then the next night, October 24th, we'll be in Phoenix. And we added a second show to our Melbourne show, right? That's right, a second earlier show in Melbourne. So uh, you can get all the information for all of these shows at SYSKLive.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there. And here we are doing maybe what's going to be the best episode of Stuff You Should Know we've ever released. Jerry's back. Yeah, welcome back, Jerry. From from hospice, you said? She just uh, threw her her can of carbonated water down and belched. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to name check it, but... I'm glad you didn't, man. We do enough buzz marketing as it is. Seriously. We can never do enough of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so how are you feeling? Blood uh, sugar okay? Yeah, I feel like this article's <clears throat> ticked me off, though. It is. <laughs> it's not that, that Freudenrich, who uh, is— Is that again, who wrote this? Yeah, the only Ph.D. Oy. at How Stuff Works ever. It, it wasn't—he didn't do anything wrong. Like, the logic behind the copy layout is what does it. It is almost, like, designed to keep from sticking in your mind the information you're reading. Yeah. It's like it's like if a person who owned a grocery store put the milk together with, like, the canned spinach in an aisle and mm. expected people to Cream be able spinach, to find though. it. All right, all right. It's got to be worse <laughs> than that. The cheese puffs. Okay. And this the, is a new game. <laughs> the cheese puffs and the cashews. Well, Actually, they're a nice little mix. Uh, <laughs> I, I can do this. Okay. Uh, maybe by the end of the episode, I'll have it. But the point is, is it? There's How just... about the oatmeal with the pickled herring? Okay. It's funny that you like we're picking things that are still in the same universe. I know. My uh, imagination died at age ten. I, th- I just thought uh, I turned into a robot about that <laughs> that time. I thought it was a pretty dry article, though. That was like none of the. Uh, character of how stuff works articles it, it read like a a medical journal from the 1950s a, a diabetes how-to article yeah i was like boy we're, how are we gonna make this fun well that's our job i know so let's get started making this fun huh yeah how about some stats all I, right you want to do up, some stats yeah because these are pretty outdated yeah i saw that too uh <clears throat> it's gotten way worse since this article was written it has and th- we're talking about in the united states but in the last 20 years <laughs> type 2 diabetes has tripled uh, 84 million Americans now have pre-diabetes, and 90% don't know. Yeah. That's startling. Yeah, we'll we'll get into pre-diabetes in a minute. Uh, and about 30 million people currently have uh, diabetes in America. Type, a, type 2 or total? I think total. Okay. At, at a total cost of, um, including med- lost wages, oh, about yeah. $327 billion. A year. A year, yeah. In the United States alone. Mm-hmm. I saw worldwide something like 400 million people have diabetes. And America makes up how many of those? Um, oh, 30? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is surprising because it didn't used to be that way. It used to be like a, a wealthy Western disease. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's starting to spread uh, throughout the world, which is really kind of shocking and jarring. Like this is a huge increase in this yeah. disease. It's become a, a, a really big problem for not just like healthcare networks, but, you know, the people with diabetes too. They're dying from it. Something like a million and a half deaths a year 
in the world. Yeah, it's it's the seventh leading cause of death in the United mm. States right now. And it's here's the thing, it's type two diabetes is from what we understand utterly preventable. It looks like it is utterly preventable. From what from what I've seen, not one single person who has type two diabetes has to have it. Like they were genetically destined to have it. Although yeah. there is some other evidence that we'll talk about that suggests otherwise, but I don't want to give anything up. Yeah, but I mean, we can pretty much say now that it is, let's just go ahead and say largely caused by being out of shape and being overweight. And eating like terrible stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. I love this article, Chuck, because it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, all of this makes total sense. Like, I love the body, just like I love earth sciences. Yeah. It's just, we can kind of, it forms a system that we can understand. And like, when you understand this one part, you're like, oh, this other part that happens makes total sense. That's diabetes. Yeah, I hate the body in earth sciences. I like um, mysticism and cosmology. Right. <laughs> and dreadlocks. <laughs> oh, boy. Why did we do that show on that? I was thinking of one the other day that we did. <laughs> Jack Amherst? No, it's even even worse than that. Oh, I can't remember, but I was like, why did we even attempt that one? <laughs> Occasionally, I'll look through the old list when we're picking out selects, and mm -hmm. I just go, what? Yeah, what was that To one? myself. It's weird. Uh, all right, so we need to break down. Haha. Uh -huh. Didn't mean that pun. A lot of breaking down in this, in this show, you know what I mean? That's true, yeah. That was sort of a deep That pun. was a foreshadowing pun. How it was. That? Uh, but we do need to break down the whole spiel with glucose yeah. and insulin because that's the root of it all. It's a disorder of glucose. Well, yeah, that's a disorder of insulin. Says. Yeah. It's a disorder of both, we'll say. Yeah, either, to be fair. either high or low <clears throat> or, right. or none. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's talk about glucose first. All right, well, before we even talk about glucose, we need to define what a simple sugar is. Uh, or a simple carbohydrate, it can be called. Okay. Uh, these are carbs that are absorbed very quickly for energy, mm -hmm. and they're called simple because they only have one or two units of sugar as opposed to like a complex carbohydrate. Right. And glucose is a simple sugar. Right. And since it's a simple sugar, I think that means it can be broken down from different types of complex sugars. So not just like sugar, but carbs, like you said, right? Yeah, and this is the sugar that gives all the cells in your body energy to do cell, celly things. Right. It enters the bloodstream through the intestine, and all the cells are like, give me some sugar, baby. Yeah. And this comes from the food, the food, food that you eat. It really does, right? So yeah. you eat some food, particularly, say, a carbohydrate-rich food, mm -hmm. and your guts start to break it down, mm -hmm. and it breaks down ultimately to that glucose, the simplest form of sugar that the body can use for energy without being stripped down further, and it shoots out through the bloodstream. Pew. And it's just a free-for-all, right? Cells, sure. like you said, use this stuff. And some cells in particular use nothing but glucose. Some use glucose in like other stuff like ATP. Yeah, which are those? Uh, Red blood cells, brain cells, quite importantly, yeah. use nothing but glucose for energy. So glucose is extraordinarily important. Yeah, and what your body wants to do, we always talk about that homeostasis. Mm -hmm. This is another example of that. Your body wants to keep a constant glucose supply for your cells. We don't want it to be super high uh -huh. or too low. Right. Uh, and it does this in a pretty interesting way. Otherwise, when we, like right after we eat, we'd be great. And then if we didn't eat for a while or went to sleep at night. We'd die. Potentially. Our organs would shut down. <laughs> if we slept long enough. Because again, this is the stuff that fuels your cells. Your cells need fuel 24 hours a day. It doesn't care whether you're sleeping or not, right? That would solve everything if your cells went to sleep. It would. When you slept. They just stop yapping for once. No, they're always talk, 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 right, always moving, working. moving. Yep. Which actually I guess is good because, again, if your cells stop working, then you die. Right. Okay, so that's glucose, energy that powers cells, some cells exclusively. And your body wants to keep a nice constant level. Yeah, and you get it through food, which could conceivably spike your glucose. So right. when you eat something and all of a sudden you have a, a, a surplus of glucose— rather than that even-keel homeostasis glucose in your bloodstream, uh, your body has a way of dealing with this, and it's called insulin. And insulin is one of two chemicals that are made by the pancreatic islets. I-S-L-E-T-S. Right. Islets, right? 
I don't know. Did you look that mm. up? I think it's islets, like islands. Like it means like tiny islands. That's probably it. And they're they they're called tiny islands. That's what we're going to call them from now on, because I don't want to get it wrong for the rest of the episode. But they're they're called tiny islands because they're indeed little endocrine cells inside your pancreas. So they're they're embedded like a journalist with a a troop detachment, basically. Yeah. So your pancreas in uh, in in this case is producing two uh, insulin and glycogon. I'm sorry, glucagon. Glucagon. Uh, glucagon are alpha cells uh, produced by alpha cells and secreted by alpha cells. Mm-hmm. Insulin are the beta cells. All of it's produced in the pancreas, like you said, uh, with those little islands. But so let's focus. And here's a better one than, than a military um, uh, analogy. A post office in an airport. It's like, here, we're going to serve you our customers. We're just going to go to you. Do they have those? Yeah, some do. Man, that's nice. I think there's one in the Toronto airport. Yeah, there is. Yeah. YYZ. <laughs> so um, who thought that was going to come up, huh? I know. So you've got these little cells that are specialized to create insulin, to release insulin from the liver. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, from the pancreas, I'm sorry. In response to glucose becoming abundant in your gut as you're digesting it. Yeah. Your gut sends out signals saying, hey, Got a bunch of glucose here. You guys want to do something? Yeah. And the beta cells say we're on it and start releasing insulin. So insulin enters the bloodstream, and its whole jam is to take the glucose that enters the bloodstream and give it to cells. And it doesn't just push it down the cell's throats. Apparently, the cells have some sort of say in whether they accept glucose or not. Sure. But the only, the only person they're going to accept glucose from is insulin. So insulin will take this glucose to different types of cells, and with different cells, um, different things happen to it, right? Yeah, like it depends on what part of your body. If uh, you're the liver or muscle cells, it's going to store that glucose uh, in something called glycogen. Yeah, it's like just chains of glucose, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to stimulate fat cells to form fats from fatty acids and glycerol. Yeah. Uh, then the liver and muscle cells is going to make those make proteins from amino acids. Yeah, and these are like the three base protein or base nutrients that you get from eating food, right? Amino yeah. acids, fats, fatty acids, and, and glucose. glucose. Correct. And then your body makes use of those because insulin delivers them to cells around the body. Yeah, then it's going to inhibit the liver and kidney cells from making glucose. Uh, and this is something called gluconeogenesis, which is confused me just a little bit. Why? Why? Yeah. Because it just, uh, I don't know, something about the metabolic pathway, like, I don't know. I, I didn't fully grasp it. I think what it is is— Or maybe um, my answer is just I'm not smart enough to get it. I don't think that's it at all. <laughs> if, if Why anything, don't you get it? If anything, yeah. What's your problem? Um, if anything, it was the article, Chuck, not you. Well, no, this article is pretty stinky. But, the, but uh, I also went to kids' health sites like I always do. <laughs> but it makes sense in that, like, if you will die if you don't have this source of— of energy, yeah, you're going to have some backup plan, and the backup plan is well, we probably have some constituent parts that we can put together to make our own glucose. So that's like Plan B. Yeah, is make your own glucose, and that's gluconeogenesis. Okay, that's what I think. I mean, that's my interpretation. Genesis, and, huh? And I play a doctor on TV, <laughs> Doctor Drake Ramore. <laughs> What's that from? That was Friends. You probably didn't watch Friends, did you? I saw an, an episode or two. <laughs> I love that. Did, were you into Friends? Oh, yeah, man. Gotcha. Still am. Yeah. I watch those reruns. Oh, really? Yeah, it's funny. It's a very dated show now. Oh, man. The clothes, <laughs> the hairs. The everything. white people. Yeah. I mean, everything about it. The, they hung out at a coffee shop when that was new. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. If you cast that show today, it would look like a Benetton Colors ad. For sure. And rightly so. Probably so. Uh, all right. So... At the end of the day, though, insulin is going to store nutrients right after you eat that meal. Mm-hmm. But by reducing these concentrations of glucose and, like you said, the fatty acids and amino acids, those three main components. Right, which is pretty interesting because you really only hear of insulin dealing with blood sugar, but it deals with the main three nutrients. Yeah. I didn't know that before. Did you? I don't think I did. It's a, it's a pretty handy little hormone to have. And by the way, it's a protein hormone. Glucose gets all the headlines. It does because it's the troublemaker. And we'll see what happens when insulin can't do its job. What you get is diabetes and the symptoms of diabetes. We'll talk about that later. But first, let's talk about glucagon. I thought you said for a second the Simpsons of diabetes. 
The symptoms. <laughs> yeah, I know. The Simpsons. <laughs> no. The, who would have diabetes on The Simpsons? Oh, probably Homer and Wiggum. Yeah, I guess so. And Barney. Sure. Yeah. And we'll, that'll become clear as we explain diabetes more. Right. But let's talk about glucagon real quick because you've got insulin doing its thing, and it's pretty clear now what insulin does. But there's another hormone that does the exact opposite that comes from those pancreatic tiny islands too. Yeah, this I thought was pretty neat as far as that homeostasis, that the body has like two methods to deal with this. Right. You know? Yep. So like you said, if you go without eating or you um, sleep, if your cells don't get that glucose that they need, they starve and die. So while you're sleeping and not eating, your your cells are still powering. They still need that energy. So your body has a way to deal with this, and it is by producing glucogen, right? Yes. And It's a little confusing because it's glucagon and glucogen. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about— But they're both with a G. Glucagon is what I'm talking about. Okay. That's how your body deals with a, a lack of a flood of new— glucose being introduced from food. That's right. And that comes from the alpha cells of the pancreatic islets, right? Yeah, and it, it acts on those same cells, but it just has the opposite effect, which is pretty cool. Like in the end, it's going to, like when you're sleeping and when you're not eating, it's going to mobilize glucose mm -hmm. and where it's stored up in your body and say, hey, we need this stuff now. Right. So it goes to the liver cell and, 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 the, muscles. and the muscles and says, hey, you remember the, uh, the uh, glucogen? Isn't that what the chain of it's called? Yes. Glycogen. So the the um, glucagon goes to the liver cells and the muscle cells, right? Yeah. And it says, hey, you remember that chain of glucose that you made, the glycogen, the other day? Yeah. Well, we need it. Yes. And so break it up and spit it out to me and I'll just get it into the bloodstream. And it does that to the liver and muscle cells. Um, it also tells the kidneys and liver it says, by the way, liver, while I'm here, why don't you kick off some gluconeogenesis too? Make some glucose. Right. And so all of a sudden, the low blood sugar in your bloodstream comes up to normal. And your cells all say, hooray, we're saved. And insulin gets a, lifted up on everybody's shoulders and all the cells carried around for a triumphant fist-shaking um, parade. Yeah, and it's pretty great because this is all happening while you're sleeping. This is what... Or not eating. Right. So all this, this is how your, your body keeps homeostasis for your blood sugar in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. and your cells powered. If you're healthy. Right. If this goes wrong, well, you'll find out all about that right after these messages. Yes. Everybody, we're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world. That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Yep. Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected. Yeah. And Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. 
Yep, along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. So I don't think we mentioned that uh, there is an ideal level here, and that's about 90 milligrams per 100 milliliters of blood for your blood glucose concentration. Or 5 millimolar. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, you can get this tested. They have little strips where you can uh, poke yourself in the finger and bleed on the strip. Yeah, so this is apparently the most complex thing since the breathalyzer. You a, glu- a glucose col- tolerance test um, with a or I'm sorry I guess that's not it it's a glu- glucose meter. You prick yourself and bleed onto that little strip of paper like you were saying. That the blood reacts with a chemical or with an enzyme I'm sorry on the strip. And it's called glucose oxidase. Yeah. And so that creates an entirely new compound gluconate which combines with another chemical, and that turns the strip blue, right? Yes. And so you would think, oh, okay, well, if it's blue, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm diabetic or I'm in trouble. If it's not blue, I'm fine. No. What the, what the diabetes testing apparatus, I think that's what they're called, does, it analyzes the shade of blue that that turned. Robin's that's, egg? That's complicated. <laughs> that's, that's maybe the best blue, really. Maybe. Sure, it's a good second. Mm, that's the only two blues, right? I, man, <laughs> but I, that'd be pretty cool if that's how it did do it. It's like, oh, this is Robin's egg. That's navy. Right. This is cerulean. And it made a little chirpy C- sound. Cerulean, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, that's not how they used to test it, though. In fact, uh, the the full name for diabetes is diabetes mellitus, M-E-L-L-I-T-U-S, mm-hmm. and that literally means sweet urine <laughs> because in ancient times the the test – involved the physician drinking your urine and going, taste sweet, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> so if you say that you have that sweet diabetes mellitus, mm-hmm. you're saying you've got that sweet, sweet urine. <laughs> you know, I wrote a, uh, back in the day when I was writing uh, spec scripts when I lived in L.A., I wrote a 70 show script. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a Halloween episode where Eric peed his pants at a haunted house. And the title of the episode was Urine for a Treat. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> I thought that was enough. I was like, man, they're going to see that. That's it. You got to publish those. I'm going to be, I should dig that up. Surely. I mean, I don't have like a digital copy. I'd have to literally find the paper. Take a, how many pages do you think? Mm, I think it was like 24 to 30. Perfect. Take a photo of each page. I'm like 180. I wonder post, why they didn't like it. <laughs> post it on Instagram a page a day for a month. People will go crazy for it. Yeah. They would love that. That's probably one of the better things I ever wrote. Oh, good. Out there. Like it was a legit 70s show episode. I ever tell you about the Simpsons script I wrote? Not enough. About. And then um, you did it. So remember the one where it turns out that Principal Skinner is actually Armin Tanzarian? Oh, yeah. That's well, one of the great episodes. This one is, a, if you if you remember, you know that's Matt Groening's most hated episode, I think. What? He hated that episode. Oh, I love that one. I didn't know that at the time because I wrote this on spec two hoping that they'd notice it, um, although I never sent it in. Um, but the at the end of that episode, they, the judge says that it's you, you're never allowed to speak of this punishable by death or something like that. Mm-hmm. So my episode starts with one of Armin Tanzarian's old friends coming to Springfield to start his life anew. That's a great idea. And he sees Principal Skinner and says, hey, Armin, Armin Tanzarian. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden the police surround him and he's taken away to jail and held. Um, and it gets out. He escapes, I think, gets out. And then Clinton was president when I wrote this. Um, <laughs> he gets out. Somehow it gets to, like, Clinton that this town is, like, holding people hostage basically unconstitutionally. And so Springfield gets invaded. And yours was 180 pages long. 
no, I think it was like appropriately in the wheelhouse? linked. Uh, yeah, I think so, actually. Can you I, it imagine was good. a different life where uh, I wrote for the 70s show, that 70s show, and you wrote for The Simpsons, and we, like, ate lunch together on the Fox lot? Can I? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you know? Can I tell you something, though? Sure. I would, I prefer this. Oh, yeah? Yes. I prefer what we do. As someone who's never written for The Simpsons, yeah. I, prefer, <laughs> right. I prefer this. Hey, man, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been to the writer's room before. I know what it looks like. They chain them to the desk. I like it. We get to, we don't have to live in L.A. Yeah, I like L.A. I've noticed a lot of our friends from New York are starting to move to L.A. Have you yeah, noticed that? I have. It's like a, a, a hemorrhaging. <laughs> all right. Should we get back to diabetes? We should probably just edit all that out. No, I think that's a nice tangent. Okay. All right. So in the case of diabetes, like we said, um, it, it is, uh, well, we already said what it was. But there are three types, type 1, type 2, and gestational Diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, type one is by far the in the minority. It's um, it says here five to ten percent, but I saw like kind of a straight up five percent number uh, for the number of diabetes cases overall. Okay, um, but they say five to ten percent in this article, uh, or it's called juvenile diabetes or insulin dependent diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, and this is caused by a lack of insulin, either not much insulin or sometimes no insulin at all in their blood, and this is. This is clearly genetic, right? It says it also could be environmental, but... Yeah, they think it's possible, possible that it's caused by a virus, exposure to a virus early in childhood. Interesting. That, that sets off an autoimmune reaction, and so your immune system attacks your beta cells that produce insulin so and sad. just destroys them. Yeah. And so you don't produce insulin. And it happens in your younger years, maybe adolescence, which mm-hmm. is why it's called juvenile diabetes. And you, when you have type 1 or juvenile diabetes, you are, you're dealing with it for life. And we'll talk about sure. you know, managing and treating diabetes. Um, but there's no cure for diabetes. But the idea that it's possible that this is the result of a virus has made some people call for research into a um, type 1 diabetes vaccine. Oh, interesting. Which would just change everything. For some people. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I don't, like, it's certainly not like a you get what you deserve kind of thing with type 2 diabetes, but type 1 diabetes, man, you got zero say in this whatsoever. Yeah, so type 2 is the one that's uh, most prevalent between 90 and 95% adult onset diabetes. That is when uh, you are usually over 40. Um, usually between 50 and 60 even. I'm so nervous. You are usually overweight. Why are you nervous? I'm just nervous that I'm going to ha- end up with type 2 diabetes by oh, age 50. I thought you meant you were going to say something wrong. No. I'm nervous. You're nervous about diabetes too? Yeah. It sounds like it's virtually predestined that we're going to get it. I don't think it's in my family, but I'm overweight and 47 years old. Yeah. And how- like need to get my act together like now. R- yes. You know, Agreed. It's, it's not that, like, yeah, I'll wait another five or six years and then tackle it. And there's no reason for us to, like, just put it off until the end. We can say, like, you can you can reverse prediabetes yeah. through diet and exercise. Yep. You don't, even if you have prediabetes, you can, which is you have higher than normal blood sugars, we'll see, but you don't have full-blown diabetes yet. Mm-hmm. You can actually reverse course. Like, yeah. it's not too late. Doing something like what you're talking about can be very helpful. It, and it's great. This is a wake-up call. Like, your body literally can inch up to that line. Mm-hmm. And if you do the right thing, it can go, whoa, all right. Yeah. I'll back off then. I like I like the way you're going here. <laughs> I like what I'm seeing. Give me some more of that celery, baby. Get on that Peloton, Chuck. <laughs> that, that, was a some buzz, that was a buzz market right there. <laughs> well, they're an advertiser with us. Are they still? Uh, well, they were, and I still have that thing. I yeah, love it. It's nice. I just need to love it every day. Right. <laughs> Not like, I love it every couple of weeks. Crush that hill. You know? Yeah. Uh, anyway... Type 2, like I said, is about 90 to 95%, and this is when you have higher insulin in your blood, not lower like the case of type 1. Right, because you have a lot of insulin. It's just not working, which is why type 2 diabetes is also called insulin-resistant diabetes. Is that right? Uh, Non-insulin-dependent or insulin-resistant, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that means that your body's producing insulin just fine, but... For some reason or another, and this seems to be the mystery at the heart of diabetes, your cells don't respond to insulin anymore. They won't say, oh, it's insulin. Sure, bring me some glucose. I'll turn it into a a chain of of glucose. Yeah, they don't know exactly why, right? 
I mean, for no, sure. That's what I'm saying. That's that's why it's yeah. the mystery at the heart of diabetes. Oh, okay. they, they don't know what the problem is with insulin. If they could figure that out, I think that they could actually cure diabetes. Right. Instead, what they've learned to, to cure is some of the problems associated with it. Right. Which is, uh, but they do definitely know it's for sure linked to obesity. Yes, they do. So that's type two. We'll talk a little more about how that actually works as far as, you know, the, the effects that it has on your your body. But one of the, some other research I found was that there's some evidence that it's possible that type 2 diabetes, the actual mechanism of it is the result of folded, misfolded proteins. Mm -hmm. So the same type of thing is like mad cow disease or kuru that you get from eating like brains with some sort of spongiform disease, right? Remember that? We talked about that? Mm, Vaguely. So, um, they think that it's possible that type 2 diabetes is the same thing, misfolded protein. And the third one, it kind of relates to type 2 diabetes, it seems, as well, gestational diabetes. Yeah, this is uh, if you're a pregnant woman, you can have or acquire, I guess, gestational diabetes. Um, the good news, it usually will go away after your baby is delivered. Um, but it can put you at risk for type 2 later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more at risk if you're over 25 having a baby. If you have a baby over or have had a baby over 9 pounds. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. If you are overweight, mm-hmm. if you have a family history of it, mm-hmm. or if you are African-American, Hispanic, Latina. Um, or Native American. Native American, Pacific Islander, and I believe that's it. Okay, so um, which is interesting. It really is, I, and I'm not, I didn't see anywhere why they thought that. I think really what, with like, different, uh, different ethnicities. Yeah, why they would be at a higher risk than. I don't know. So um, I think that I get the impression, Chuck, that there's been like the American Diabetes Association has been around for a while and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and they've been trying to do what they can, but then this inc- this enormous spike in diabetes cases in in the West. Yeah. Uh, and now the world has really kind of drawn attention and funding to it. And we're now really diving in to figure out what's going on. But we haven't figured it out yet, which is where we are right now. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. One more thing. Um, gestational diabetes, they think, can actually be passed down as type 2 diabetes to the offspring. To the oh, kid. interesting. That's, yeah. Wow. Yep. So we're just learning about all this stuff now. All right, so symptom-wise, for all three versions and types of diabetes, uh, poly... Well, why should I say that when I can just say you're very thirsty? Polydipsia. <laughs> you means you're very thirsty, you urinate a lot. Uh, if you're always hungry, uh, if but you are also losing weight, for, and you can't explain that. Yeah, I didn't know that part about diabetes, but now that I understand diabetes, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, glucose in the urine. That sweet, sweet taste mm-hmm. of urine. Uh, fatigued a lot, tired, blurred vision, uh, specifically like changes in your vision, um, numb hands and feet, fingertips, yeah. Yeah. slow healing wounds, and then uh, abnormally high frequency of infection. Right. So that's all the, those are the symptoms, and they'll make sense once we explain what's going on behind them, right? Yeah, but in some of these symptoms, though, in fact, a lot of these symptoms can be other things too, which is why it's sort of distressing to be doing research on this and be like, well, wait a minute, my I need glasses to read now. But that also <laughs> happens over 40. Uh, I'm tired a lot. That also happens when you have a three-year-old. Diabetes. Um, I have a lot of slow healing sores. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my foot was just amputated because <laughs> I had no sensation. I do. I get uh, uh, numbness in my hands and feet sometimes when I sleep, but that's been happening since my early 30s here and there. And that just could be because you're, you know, I sleep with my arm up and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm reading this stuff and I'm freaking out. Go to the doctor. No, I do. And last time I went there, my blood sugar was fine. When? I go every March. Oh, well, you're good. Except I didn't go this March. <laughs> I didn't either. I've been going every year and then skipped this year. And now um, we're about to, I think we just found a new doctor who specializes in diabetes. I'm so nervous. I'm like, <laughs> is she is she one of those doctors who like is like a hammer so everything looks like a nail? She's going to be like, you have diabetes. I'm going to trick myself into actually thinking it. Yeah, I did the dumb <laughs> thing this year, which was, oh, geez, I gained weight last year. Like, 
I'm going to take a year off and get back in shape. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, this, which is the opposite of what you should do. Yeah. But I was like, I can't face my doctor because when I go in there, he's like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. He's very just matter of fact about everything. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? You want to be one of those old guys with diabetes? Right. Lazing around? He'll say that stuff to me. I'm like, like no. It's, He's it's like, good. well, you know, it's up to you. It's good to hear that. Yeah. I mean, you need that kind of straight talk from a doctor. You know, they say, or I've read, that um, weighing yourself every week if you're if you're trying to lose weight. Is bad? No, it's good. Oh, yeah. Or I should say, I've I weigh seen myself some four studies. times a week. I've seen some, you shouldn't. That's too much. Really? Yes. <laughs> because your weight fluctuates so randomly throughout uh, the week. I could chart that it. you can get demoralized. <laughs> you want to do it once a week at the same time, usually right after you get up. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. The same morning every week. All right. And then you will see whether you're going up or down. You'll really be able to see. Four times a week, you're just like all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. You can't make heads or tails of it. Once a week at the same time, that makes sense. And it has the psychological effect of being like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to see it go up. So I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna step eat on that. The scale. I'm not gonna eat that chocolate cigar. No, you have to step on the scale. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I weigh myself too much, but I'll. I'll, I'll kick it down to once a week. All right, let me for know how, you. how it goes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for doing that for Oi, me. Oi, should we take a break? Is, it, is this episode still going on? I think so. All right, then yes. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start. Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep. Along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 251292-8887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, Chuck. Yeah, now we get to the point of the article uh, that's called, Let's Try and Confuse People as Much as Possible. This is where the grocery store starts putting weird stuff next to other stuff and expects you to just pretend like everything's normal. I tried to just mark the relevant parts <laughs> to make it all make sense and streamline it, <laughs> and it still was confusing. Okay, allow me. Great. Everybody, I just cracked my knuckles. That means it's you, you just turned his chair around backwards. Prepare, prepare <laughs> for the monotony. You ready? The yeah. monotonous droning. Right, which is basically how does this, how does a lack of insulin affect your body? By Josh Clark. Yes. <laughs> so, well, let's take different ones, right? You've got um, blood, well, see, here's, here's a good example. You've got glucose appearing in your urine above urinating frequently, but logically, 
glucose appearing in your urine should follow after it and be in the same thing. So we're going to start with you urinate frequently. Polydipsia, I think is what, or no, polysuria is what it's called. Right. Polyuria. So that just means you pee a lot, way more than you normally would if you didn't have diabetes. And this is actually easily explained, right? You've got a lot of glucose in your kidneys. Yes. Because it's in your bloodstream and your kidneys are your the filter, one of the main filters for your body. Yes. Um, and so when you have uh, liquid waste, it goes to the kidneys and in that liquid waste is a lot more glucose than your kidneys are used to processing. And so they become overloaded. There's like a backup of glucose, yeah. right? Pretty simple, easy peasy. Um, so since there's a backup of this stuff, um, the actual the actual thing that shoots urine off to your <laughs> urethra, right? The tubule lumen, it, it becomes backed up with glucose as well. Yeah, because glucose retains water. Right, which means the tubule lumen says, well, I should probably get rid of some of this, and I'm going to start <laughs> peeing. So you start peeing more and more, right? Uh -huh. Okay, that's one effect of it. And that'll also help make you thirsty, which is another symptom. That's another. It's like a vicious cycle, right? So you start drinking more, and that is another symptom. So you're drinking more, but you're just peeing more because there's so much glucose in your blood. Now, because there's more glucose in your blood and you're peeing out more water from your bloodstream than usual, your blood actually becomes a little thicker. Yes, and you're also losing sodium. Okay, right. So you're peeing a lot more, you're drinking a lot more, but you're just peeing it right out. Your blood's becoming thicker, so your body says, whoa, 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 something's a little off. I need some water. I'm becoming dehydrated. Sending out this thirst signal isn't working. I'm going to steal some water from the organs. Right. And they actually become a little dehydrated. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that it doesn't solve the problem because there's still all that glucose overloading your kidneys. You just pee that water out. So, right. again, you're constantly thirsty. There's glucose that appears in your pee, which is how ancient doctors um, said, yeah, you've got the diabetes. And you... Um, your your organs are dehydrated, which is a bad jam. Yeah, and I think they liken the, the thickened blood to like a molasses consistency. Right. Not good. This article doesn't touch on it, but that leads to another thing that's usually co or often comorbid with diabetes is hypertension, high blood pressure, mm -hmm. because your, your, your heart is requiring more energy to pump this blood because it's thicker, and it's actually really hard on your blood cells as well, and that can lead to all sorts of things from cardiac arrest to stroke. So you can get all those in addition to diabetes just from having thick, sweet blood. That's right. Molasses blood. Thick and sweet is usually good. Yep. But not in this case. No. Maybe if it's in the syrup that you're eating that will eventually give you diabetes, it's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Now where does that put us? Are we going back up to the top? Yeah. We should, we should participate in confusing people <laughs> along with this article, oh my right? God. So the whole reason you have high blood glucose levels um, is because your body is not responding to insulin, right? Right. So because the insulin is running around going, guys, guys, what what I do? What's the problem? Take this glucose. And the cells just turn their back on the insulin, and the insulin is sad. You'll have a lot of insulin in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. It's not doing anything. And so there's some other secondary alarms that your body sets off saying, we got a lot of we got a lot of uh, insulin in the bloodstream, but our cells aren't getting any energy. They're starving. So we need to start producing our own glucose. Right. And that's where the glucagon, uh, the alpha cells secrete that glucagon, and those levels rise in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. That acts on your liver and muscles like we talked about yep. to break down that glycogen uh, and releases well, too much glucose into the blood in that case. Right, which is one reason why you suddenly lose weight inexplicably despite eating all the time or being hungry all the time. Yeah. Because as far as your body's concerned, it's, it's, all, it's pretend like your body can't tell that there's a problem with the insulin. All it knows is that the cells are starving. Yes. It's, it's like it's lacked some sort of um, gauge yeah. to show how much... Um, how much blood sugar there actually is in the bloodstream or how much insulin there is and that there's something wrong. It just knows the cells are starving. So it kicks off this thing where it makes its own glucose, which just raises the levels even further and exacerbates the problem. Right. Okay? So you're constantly hungry because your body thinks your cells are starving, but you start to lose weight despite eating because it's also attacking those stores 
of um, glycogen, those glucose chains, and you're just you start losing weight just by eating a lot. Yeah, you're tired. That was another one of the symptoms because uh, you're not absorbing that glucose, so it's not doesn't have anything to burn for energy. Mm-hmm. Your hands and feet. Remember, I talked about them feeling numb or cold. Uh, that's because it increases osmotic pressure of your blood. It draws the water from your tissues. That means your cells becomes uh, everything becomes dehydrated, and again, that goes back to the kidneys. Uh, the, the water in the blood is lost as urine because right. you're peeing so much. You're literally pissing it away. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And that basically, that's what makes that blood thicker, uh, which leads to poor circulation. It's all, it sounds confusing, but it all kind of makes sense in a right. cyclical way. And so the poor circulation leads to its own cascade of problems, right? Poor circulation means that you have less feeling and sensation in your extremities, which means that if you stub your toe or cut it open or something like that, you might not even notice. So you have a wound that's left to fester because you're not treating it. Yeah. And, then, and then on top of that, because of the poor circulation, your immune system can't go to the site and help it as easily. And you're more prone to infections, which can lead to gangrene, which can actually lead to amputation, all because your blood is too thick to circulate properly. Right. And that poor circulation is also what's going to lead to your changes in vision as well. Right. So there's one other thing that happens, too. There's something called ketoacidosis, which is where your, your metabolism basically goes into the fatty acids or the fat cells and cracks them open and starts burning whatever glucose it can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's this thing called ketosis where if you're on like a— Atkins a, diet. Right, mm-hmm. where you—it's you, actually, as far as Atkins people are concerned, that's like where you want to be. Right. Because you're just burning fat cells and you're, you're at this— buzzing level mm-hmm. um, and you're you're losing weight you're not gaining anything you can your skull is very prominent it's a, a beautiful thing right your breath is kind of stinky yeah it'll seem a little sweet ketoacidosis is not ketosis ketoacidosis is um, it's it's the same thing but to the nth degree and it can lead to all sorts of big problems because the the um, the uh, acidic ketones build up in your liver, I think. That can cause stinky breath too, right? It can. Acetone breath. Yeah, and it's uh, that can lead to central nervous system problems, heart trouble, and even it can lead to coma. Yeah, and uh, heart irregularities too. It, it can mess your body up pretty bad. And this is, can be a, an extreme result of diabetes, which is one of the re- reasons it's life-threatening. Man, it's, it's a big deal. It is. So as far as monitoring this stuff, uh, back in the day, you just had to monitor it every day. And some people still do that with the little pinprick and uh, their glucose monitors. But now you can have, have them uh, you can have them built into your body, right? Uh, that's actually, that's been around a little while. So Has it? if you're type 1, you have to, you don't make insulin, so you have to inject it artificially from externally. Right. And there's like pumps that you can carry around or wear that are connected into your body that you just press a button and it um, it delivers insulin. But you have to test to see how much you need at any given time. Right. And if you, if you put in too much insulin, it's going to sweep up too much uh, blood sugar because there's, it's not like there's anything wrong with the communication between your insulin and your cells with type 1 diabetes. It's just that you don't have insulin. So when you put insulin in your body, it does... It goes to work like it's supposed to. Yeah. So you have to really walk that fine line. Well, and you much. probably are going to be administering it a few times a day too. Right. And so you've got Usually to, around your meals. Right. And you want to make sure that you don't, again, put in too much or else you're going to get lightheaded because your brain cells use glucose. And if you have too much insulin sopping up too much glucose, your brain starves and you pass out. Yeah. It's called hypoglycemia. Uh, like you said, lightheaded, shaky. Um, I think... Most people have experienced that feeling, mm-hmm. even if you don't have like prediabetes or diabetes. Right. Just that, I mean, it, people just call it low blood sugar. Right. But it's actually probably, and yeah, I guess it would be low blood sugar from an overabundance of insulin. Yeah. The only time I've noticed that is when I eat uh, something super carby. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't really do that for, I don't eat a lot of breakfast anyway, but if I eat just like, uh, like a big fat bagel for breakfast and mm-hmm. then don't eat again till dinner, mm-hmm. I'll get like a little shaky. Yeah, the shakes. Yeah. But it almost feels good in a weird way. You know what I'm talking about? Not to me. 
No, it's never felt like no, kind of like high, that. like you're a little high. Oh, uh, no. not Every once in a while, not every time, but every once uh-huh. in a while it'll strike me where I'm like shaky, but well, it's right here in my chest, uh-huh. in my solar plexus, I can kind of feel it glowing a little bit, and it's almost it's almost like a weird high. Interesting. Yeah. Am I, is that, that's not a normal thing? Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. Huh. Uh, I do know that, though, if you are feeling lightheaded or shaky like that, uh, because, uh, this is because your brain is not getting enough glucose, and we talked about the brain was one of the specific organs that really needs it. Right. Um, this is when you might see someone drink juice or eat a candy bar or something sweet. Right. Uh, just to get that, like, quick spike. Uh, but if it goes really, really low, you can go into what's called uh, insulin shock, where you lapse into a coma, and that's serious business. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a diabetic coma is pretty bad. Yeah. Because all sorts of bad stuff can happen to your brain at that time. Yeah. So that's... Um, that's mostly type 1. Type 2 is managed differently. Although similarly, you have to keep up with your blood sugar, not nearly as frequently as you do with type 1. But diet and exercise are like, they just say right away, like, if even if you, well, let's talk a little bit about reversibility because I saw a new study. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear it. Here's a new study that's uh, called Very Low Calorie Diet and Six Months of Weight Stability in Type 2 Diabetes. And this was on the American Diabetes Association homepage. Uh, and they did a study basically because it's long been thought that even though they say like, you know, if you really lose weight and exercise, it'll really, really help you manage your diabetes. Uh, but it's not reversible. Like you've right. got it for life. Right. You have to, if you stopped exercising and dieting, you would exactly develop the symptoms again, right? Exactly. Uh, but they now say... Um, that it is possible with at least for the results of the study. And here's the deal. It wasn't a very robust study. Uh, it was only 30 people with type 2 diabetes. Um, I think it was uh, they didn't have a good enough sample of ethnicities. Uh, but some of the subject had diabetes less than four years. Some had longer than eight years. Uh-huh. Uh, and they found that, and this is usually after bari- uh, bariatric surgery, but they did find the same results with people who just, and this is dramatic calorie reduction, uh-huh. not just like, well, I'm going to eat a little better, like bariatric surgery level calorie reduction. Okay. Uh, they found that immediately after an eight-week low-calorie, very low-calorie diet, 12 of the 30 uh, participants had fasting blood glucose levels, uh, normal fasting blood glucose levels. And then, and this is the big finding, after six months of maintenance, 13 out of the 30 were able to keep that glucose level below that threshold. That means that uh, 40% were seemingly reversible. Wow. But they're not making the claim like, for sure. Right. Uh, but it's just 30 people. That Yeah, I mean, that's promising sure. that 40% of the people that really, really lost a lot of weight and ate a lot less and exercise were able to seemingly reverse or at least get it down to normal. But... Like you said, if they stopped, then it, it might just come right back. And that fasting uh, glucose level is is significant. I don't think we really said, but the yeah, one, you got to fast. One of the ways that they test for for diabetes is yeah, you fast overnight, go to your doctor, and they give you a thing of sugar water, mm-hmm. and you drink it, and then they start testing your blood sugar for several hours afterward. And if you don't have diabetes, your blood sugar, comparatively speaking, doesn't spike all that much. Yeah. Because your insulin's working and, and doing the right thing. So if you have full-blown type 2 diabetes and you're in the study and you go take a diabetes test and you have regular fasting level diabetes or uh, blood sugar, yeah. that's pretty significant for sure. Yeah. I hope it extrapolates onto everybody else. Well, we'll see. Um, it's normally controlled through medication, oral medication for type 2. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not like you're having to give yourself a shot every few hours or anything. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's big. There's and there's different ways to to do it. Yeah, one uh, one medication, and I guess they just tailor it to what your specific case might. They think it might warrant probably. But one stimulates the pancreas to release more in, uh, insulin. That's kind of a no brainer. Uh, one interferes with the absorption of glucose mm-hmm. by the intestine. One interferes with the absorption of glucose by the intestine. One improves insulin sensitivity. Right. One reduces glucose production by the liver. Stops gluconeogenesis. Yeah. Uh, one helps the breakdown um, of glucose. 
and the other one some literally supplements insulin. Which makes in me curious. Like, does that mean that if you in, if you inject more insulin in type two diabetes, you overwhelm the insulin resistance or something like that? I don't know. I don't either. But if you so management is the right word for diabetes. Like you have to pay attention to your diet, your exercise. You have to test your blood sugar levels depending on what kind you have day to day. But there are like a lot of apps out there um, to help you do that. And since we're buzz marketing, Yumi uh, works with a guy or worked with a guy who's the CEO of a company called Gluco, G L O G L O O K O, and um, they're one of many. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but yeah. If you have diabetes, this is probably the most convenient time for you to keep track of your diabetes because apparently it's a pain to to keep up with the, the tests and all of the stuff, the data. And so, Chuck, there's, like we said, right now, there's apparently it's possible maybe to reverse it. But for type 1 diabetes in particular, because remember, you're just not producing insulin. Mm-hmm. They've actually come up with a, a procedure, an experimental procedure called pancreatic islet transplantation. Yeah, I saw that this has been around since like the 60s. Oh, yeah? But um, like it's not new, but I couldn't really find out if it's like the effectiveness of it now and like if it's working. Um, Is yeah, it working? That's, that's not good. If there was nothing, if, you, if there was no follow-ups on it, that's, I don't know. It says that it showed promise, but the big problem was tissue rejection. Right. Where it's so basically, they go into a uh, deceased donor, and they remove their pancreatic islets because mm-hmm. remember that's where the insulin and the uh, glucagon is produced. Yeah, that's like the root of the problem. And you put it into a, a, a like a syringe and a catheter and inject it into the person with type one diabetes uh, pancreas, and supposedly they'll they'll eventually attach to a blood vessel and start producing insulin. But if it that's if your your the body doesn't reject the donor tissue, yeah, I'm going to follow up on that because I I couldn't find a whole lot about it, and time ran short on me. But I do know that that's, I mean it it's been around legitimately for at least three decades, and then before that with like experimentation. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like they would have had a firmer grasp on the results by now. That's what I'm saying. It it's a little like uh yeah you know, but we'll find out. Gluco, you got anything else? Gluco the app? Yeah. Yeah, go get it. It's pretty cool. We, I checked it out. What did it say? It said, check me out. <laughs> no, it's like I don't have diabetes, so a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. But right. it, it, from the demonstration video, it seemed pretty robust. Yes. Good. And then some. Um, if you want to know more about diabetes, go check out this painfully confusing article on how stuff works. Uh, by typing that word in. And since I said painfully confusing, it's time for listener mail. Hey, guys. Want to share some thoughts and comments on the Skyscraper podcast. So we got a lot of feedback. We got, uh, what did we get wrong? Steel? Yeah. Who cares? (laughs) It's not like we were telling people who were going to go purify iron and then try to build a skyscraper out of it. I mean, for the number of things that we say, of course we're going to get something like dead wrong once in a while. Well, uh, this guy was nice about it. Okay, good. Uh, And we asked for corrections. Okay. Do we not? (laughs) Uh, I think you guys did a great job, Josh, of summarizing the issue with the thicker bases, i.e. pyramid, not being economical for the building owner for recuperating their initial investment. You also did a good job bringing up that elevators coincided allowed the jump in building heights, technology would allow us to build nearly as tall as we want. You just wouldn't be able to find someone willing to pay for it. That uh, said. The difference, however, between iron and steel is, in fact, uh, not that steel is more pure iron. It is iron with carbon added that increases uh, and improves the strength and ductility of, new one to me. of pure and or naturally found iron. Uh, different steels have other elements added in addition to carbon. But really, carbon and iron are what makes steel steel. Other elements have relatively minor impact on the properties, like stainless steel has chromium, etc. Huh. Uh, there are also multiple types of footings, not just spread footings. Spread footings spread the load on underlying soil, or ideally rock, because like you said, the columns going straight into the soil would push right through. But most, if not all, skyscrapers are so heavy and sit so far above the rock that instead of spread footings, they have a deep foundation 
this looks very similar to a spread footing from the bottom of the concrete footing up, uh, but then also have columns that reach further into the ground to increase the resistance to the sinking. Uh, this resistance usually is provided by those columns reaching down to very strong rock. Essentially, you're creating a large table with lots of legs that the whole building is built upon. Now, that is an analogy I can get down with. There you go. So I uh, look forward to coming to another Atlanta show. Uh, this is Grant Hollis, who lives right here. Thanks, Grant. And he went to the Pinto show. Grant Hollis, man of steel. That's right. And Grant, I would normally just put you on the guest list for tickets, mm-hmm. but Atlanta's always tight because they're Dude. friends and family, so I'm sorry. We have to, like, <laughs> claw them from the promoter's hand. Yeah, and we have to deny friends and family. Yeah, and they're cheap, so they don't buy tickets. They're like, all right, fine, I'm just not coming. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, well, thanks again, Grant, and thank you to our friends and family who show up or even consider showing up to our Atlanta <laughs> shows. Uh, if you uh, want to get in touch with us, visit us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. You can find our social all over the place there, and you can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.